Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Friday, October 30th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. Going to go over my thoughts, my picks, my leans for week eight here in the Circus Sports Million 2 with my ATS.io-2 entry. I got three very likely picks to make the card here, and I've got a list of four leans to break down on today's show here for this NFL card. We've been talking about this NFL card on ATS Radio this week, and we've also been talking about it a lot over at ATS.io as well. As you know, Monday through Friday, we're on ATS Radio. Mondays now, I fly solo with a college football and a weekend recap, updating my power ratings, talking about some box score notes, stuff like that. So we do that on Mondays. On Tuesdays, we chat NFL with Brian Blessing. Wednesdays, we talk college football and the NFL with Kyle Hunter. And we will be recording that on Tuesday afternoon next week because of the election. Still going to release that on Wednesday morning uh, but with Kyle live trading the election throughout the night. As we talked about this past week on his segment, uh, we decided that we're going to record that on Tuesday afternoon, then go ahead and release that Wednesday morning. Thursday with Brad Powers, Friday, of course, here, the Circus Sports Million segment. Over at ATS.io, lots of stuff going on in the NFL and college football worlds. We're covering industry news. We're covering sportsbook reviews of the different operators in the states with legal sports betting. There are four states on the ballot next week, Maryland, Louisiana, Nebraska, and South Dakota. We'll be covering some of the industry news with those four states coming up here over at ATS.io. And also Tennessee launching on Sunday, November 1st. Bet MGM among the operators that will be starting there. So I'll write up an article on that over at ATS.io as well. And speaking of Bet MGM Sportsbook, details over at ATS.io on the bet $1, win $100 in free bets if a touchdown is scored in any NFL game on Sunday. Obviously, that's going to happen. Head over to ATS.io, check out the details on that. It is a new user offer for BetMGM Sportsbook in Colorado, New Jersey, Indiana, and West Virginia. So if you sign up through us at ATS.io, not only can you be part of that Bet $1, Win $100 promotion, but also you'll get up to a $500 risk-free bet from the fine people over at BetMGM Sportsbook. All right, with that, let's go ahead and talk about what's happened to this point here in the Circus Sports Million my ATS.io-2 entry, 21, 13, and 1 here through seven weeks. Of course, that is 35 selections, 50 more to go here in the contest. Off of a 3-2 and two week last week, should have been a 4-1, and one, but a giant FU goes out to Cody Parkey, who will not be on my Christmas card list here for this year. 61.76%, still pretty good, but even with that, 21, 13, and 1, Still two and a half points out of the money in the Circa. The top 50 plus ties get paid in that contest. So very frustrating to be at effectively 62% and not really be in line for anything here at this point in time, but still keep plugging away. Hope to keep adding up more of those winning weeks. See where the chips fall as we get deeper into the season here. The ATS.io-1 entry 19 and 16, also three and two last week. Uh, with the action that came in. Both of our entries, 10 and 5 here for the second quarter. So doing well, but Menorah 11-1 and Minshew Magic-1 tied for the second quarter first place prize of $187,000 out at the Circa. 
They are 14 and one, those two entries here so far. So they are tied for first place with five picks left in the second quarter. 808 bets, and that's bets with two T's, dash one, alone in third place with 13 and a half points here in the second quarter, and a 10-way tie at 13 and two. So basically, if you want to win one of the quarter prizes, whether it's in the Circa or in the Super Contest, you're looking at probably 18 and two being the worst that you can actually do. Maybe, you know, a 17, two and one, something like that. But uh, again, the margin for error, very, very small here in these contests, to say the least. Aaron White, dash one, your leader, 27 and a half points. Presence, dash two, is second with 27. Presence, dash one, among those tied for third, 26 and a half points there, along with Sheila's boys, dash one, bet mile high, and sunny San Diego, dash one. The reason for the dash one, dash two, dash three, you are allowed three entries in the Circus Sports Million, $1,000 a piece, 3,148 entries in the field for this year. Again, top 50 plus ties get paid, the quarter prizes, uh, then of course, a $100,000 booby prize for the entry that finishes with the fewest points, but still makes all 85 picks. Last week, the field, 53.55%. Top five consensus went four and one. The consensus as a whole only went six and eight out of the 14 games, but the top five, again, four and one. That's how you wind up with a really good week with for the field overall. Year to date now, 52.41% for the Circus Sports Million field. The top five consensus, the five most popular plays of the week, now 22 and 13. And I, I believe I mentioned this last week on the show, but generally speaking, the top five consensus is, you know, plus or minus a couple of games on either side of 50%. But this year, 22 and 13. So the wisdom of crowds has done very, very well this year. It's been a tough NFL season for the sports books. And you can see why with something like the top five consensus in this contest coming in here so far at 22 and 13. The consensus, the most popular side in each individual game, now 57, 46, and three on the season. The high watermark in the Circa this year, 58.37%. That was week five. The low mark, 47.72%. That was in week three. Five of the seven weeks here so far in the Circa I believe have been 52% or higher. So the field has done very well overall. Over in the Super Contest, which we are not part of, but we're still covering it and updating it over at ATS.io, ODBMG2 leads the field with 28 and a half points. Andrew Scalzi or Scalzi, however it's pronounced, 27 points for that entry, 15 and 0 in the second quarter. Three straight perfect weeks. For that Andrew Scalzi entry, also Andrew Scalzi 2 leads the Super Contest gold by two and a half points, actually. So a big lead over in the gold, trailing by a point and a half in the traditional Super Contest, but obviously in the driver's seat here for that $100,000 second quarter prize over in the Super Contest with that 15-0. and 0. Cut off for the money right now in the Super Contest, 22 points. That's top 100 plus ties but it's 23 points to be in the top 50 and you have to be in the top 50 to make a profit this year because of the prize distribution, because of the quarter prizes and because 1,172 entrants, the fewest we've had in the super contest here 
in quite some time. In fact, the fewest we've had since, uh, what is it, 2013. So, you know, the, the COVID-19 pandemic, the Circus Sports Million contributing factors here to a much lower number of entrants for the Westgate Super Contest. 56.01% in the Super Contest last week, 52.27% for the season as a whole. Over in the Super Contest, gold, 72 entries, winner take all. As I said, Andrew Scalzi, two, the leader in that. 59.12% last week, 55.42% for the season. So the Super Contest gold field has done an excellent job here so far. Some weather this week for the games, that's a consideration. You have to think about that. There are no totals in the Circus Sports Million or the Westgate Super Contest for that matter. So you can't really play the weather totals and all the unders that we've seen here so far this week. But with weather, you have to think about how it impacts the game flow, how it impacts the game plans for the two teams. If you've got a team that needs to throw the football in order to have success, well, when it's windy, that's a lot more difficult to do. So you think about those types of things when the weather becomes a factor. And again, the biggest factor with football betting, whether it's college football or the NFL, is wind. It is not rain. It is not snow. It is wind. And there are a lot of wind games here this week in the NFL, particularly in that early one o'clock window. One other thing I like to talk about here before I get into my likely picks and my leans here is that. Six games are on flat numbers here in the circle. You got two on minus three, excuse me, five games on flat numbers here. Two on minus three, one on minus four, and then another on 20, which of course is that Jets uh, and Chiefs game. So, you know, when you look around at what's going on here in the circle, like I said, you know, you've got some games that are on the flat numbers here. You also have uh, Vikings Packers on seven. That's another one that's out there. So when you get these games on flat numbers, Again, it's a little bit of a disappointment to get a push in a contest like this because, again, you need that extra half point. The margin for error is very small. On the other hand, you want to look for winners. You know, you want to look for the games that give you, in your mind, the best opportunity to pick up that full point. So, yeah, there's some game theory that comes into play down the line, and if you're chasing a spot in the money, something like that, you're probably going to be more inclined to play those half point games. But for now... You know, I'm off to a decent start here in the contest, 21-13-1. I just want to find winners. I just want to keep finding a way to put myself in contention here to make some money when this thing's all said and done. So I'm not necessarily as worried about picking the half-point lines. If I wind up liking those games, that's great, and it's a potential bonus. But for this week here, I'm just looking for winners. And whether it's a flat number or a game with a hook on it, doesn't really matter to me. I'm just trying to do everything I can to pick games that go in the right column here. So let's hope that these are some of the games that go in the right column. Again, very important to note that our picks are due into our proxy by 4 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday. So I've got time if I want to change any of these picks. Generally speaking, I've mentioned this before on the show, I won't take the other side of a game that I talked about here on the segment. Uh, Maybe some games fall off. Maybe another game pops on, something like that. But if I like one side of a game, I'm generally not going to take the other side unless it's some sort of major quarterback injury or something like that, you know, where then there winds up being significant line value on that game. For the most part, I'm going to stay with a lot of the games I talked about here 
or maybe pick games that I didn't discuss on this segment. But again, everything is very fluid, very touch and go with COVID-19 kind of looming here around the NFL. With that, we'll start with the likely picks that I have here for week eight in the Circus Sports Million. And we start with number nine in the rotation order, the Tennessee Titans. They're minus five and a half against the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, as I said, weather is a big factor here in some of these games, in particular those games in the early window. This is one where I don't know if this game would have been on my radar to the same degree, but because of the wind situation in Cincinnati, that's problematic for the Cincinnati offense. Now, they've had 294 pass attempts this year against 185 rushes. Part of that, of course, is because they're almost always trailing. So there's a big discrepancy in their play distribution because of the game state, because they're usually trailing. That being said, Joe Mixon's still on the injury report. They have some offensive line injuries as well. And also, this is a team that's rushed for 3.7 yards per carry. So it's not just because they're always trailing that they run the football. It's because they can't run the football. So with that in mind here, and the wind considerations, you have to think that points are going to be very difficult to come by for this Cincinnati offense here in this game. And to me, I think the Titans can do whatever they want against this Bengals defense. You know, they throw a lot of short passes. They look for a lot of yards after the catch, stuff like that from Ryan Tannehill. But just quite simply, look, the Bengals have allowed 4.9 yards per carry on the season. They are not a good rush defense. The Titans can just salt away this big lead if they're able to get one. I think last week's game feels like a missed opportunity for them. Battle of the unbeatens. They have the chance at tying the game with Guskowski late. They're not able to do it. I don't think there's any sort of hangover. I don't think there's any sort of hanging your head about that performance. I think now you just get back to work. And I do think that Mike Vrabel is one of the best coaches here in the NFL. I think he's certainly proven that with some of his in-game decisions with how this Tennessee Titans team really started rolling last year. And maybe Art Smith is the reason why. But if that's the case, that's fine. I'll take the better coaching staff here. I'll take the more proven, more established quarterback here especially in a situation where that guy, Ryan Tannehill, has the better running game on a day when it's going to be some pretty adverse conditions to try and throw the football. Bengals back-to-back close games. They have a bye next week. There's This team's in transition a little bit. Carlos Dunlap, he gets traded. There was some friction here with this team, but Geno Atkins has been limited in practice. Mike Daniels has been limited in practice. Again, those offensive line injuries plus the Mixon injury. And maybe the Bengals just say, you know what? We'll keep Mixon out until after the bye. Let him be healthy. Try to see what we can do with the second half of this season here and hopefully the full complement on offense. So I like the Titans for a variety of different reasons here. I'm glad this number's five and a half instead of six. Give me the Tennessee Titans here, minus five and a half, number nine in the Circus Sports Million rotation order. Next up on the board for me, a game I really haven't talked about too much this week on the show. Number 19, the Seattle Seahawks are a three-point favorite here at home against the San Francisco 49ers. Now, there are a few reasons why I like this game. One of them is that, yes, Seattle is off of a bye. Gives them a good chance to get prepared for the 49ers. These two teams are division rivals, though. They know each other inside and out, so that's not the biggest factor. I would say probably the biggest factor to me is that 
think about where the 49ers line was last week against the New England Patriots. That line was three early in the week. And we even saw some two and a halves pop up uh, shortly thereafter. We saw some two and a halves pop on this San Francisco Seattle line on Thursday. There is no way in hell that the Seahawks and the Patriots are are teams on equal footing. There is no chance that if those two teams played on a neutral on Sunday, that Seattle and New England would be a pick them. Not a chance in hell. Seattle's probably minus three and a half, minus four, something like that. So this is a massive overreaction here to what San Francisco has been able to do the last couple of weeks. And look, maybe San Francisco's turned the corner. Maybe the fact that they've gotten healthier, they've gotten Jimmy Garoppolo back. Maybe these guys returning from injury, maybe, maybe Kyle Shanahan has adjusted, something like that. Maybe San Francisco is on one now. Maybe they're just on a heater and they're going to get back into things and actually look like the playoff contender we all expected them to be. On the other hand, they beat a Rams team that was very flat on Sunday night football. They had traveled, you know what, it was a back-to-back weeks, I think it was. The Rams just looked really flat in that game. I think San Francisco took full advantage of that situation. The Patriots are a mess. And we talked about this with regards to Cam Newton coming back from COVID. They've never looked the same since he got back. This is the time of the year where, you know, teams have started to adjust to what they're doing defensively. The absences of guys like Dante Hightower and Patrick Chung are really coming into play. The Patriots don't have anybody to throw the football to. Maybe San Francisco just caught them at the right time too. So look, I think San Francisco is still a very solid football team, but I think there have been circumstances the last two weeks that have made San Francisco look better than they actually are. They still have some injuries in the secondary. That seems like a concern. And the Seahawks here, well, a lot of us have harped on how bad their defense has looked, and they are 30th in yards per play allowed. So there is that. There are two things about that. One is they score so damn fast that the defense is on the field all the time. The second thing is their pass defense is bad, but they have a top 10 run defense in metrics like yards per carry, in DVOA, stuff like that. So this Seahawks rush defense really isn't that bad. What does San Francisco want to do? They want to run the football. And I know that guys like Kittle can create some matchup nightmares, but Debo Samuel's been banged up. Doesn't look like he's going to play this week. That really hurts this 49ers passing attack and their ability to throw the football. So if they want to run it, they're running into the strength of the Seattle defense. So there's a lot of reasons I like Seattle here in this spot. And here's one more. San Francisco this year, they have played Arizona, the Jets and Giants, Philadelphia, Miami, the Rams, New England. I Look, the, the San Francisco team hasn't faced many good passing attacks yet. They faced one really good, efficient one in Miami, and the Dolphins marched up and down the field on them. They faced a pretty good one in the Rams, but the Rams trailed that game 21-6. to The game state dictated they were going to have to throw the football. The 49ers had the ball for 38 minutes. Again, circumstances have really benefited the 49ers these last two weeks. I don't think those same circumstances are in their favor here. Give me the Seattle Seahawks minus three, number 19 in the Circus Sports Million rotation order. Lastly here on my list of very likely picks, talked about this game on Thursday. I've got a dinner side bet with Brad Powers on this game. The Pittsburgh Steelers, number 26. I even had to take three and a half for the dinner bet, but they are plus four 
in the circa numbers here, the Steelers are for real. I mean, they've got elite defensive speed. They've got great pressure. Okay, maybe you can you know make some throws over the top to them downfield a little bit. But the Ravens this season have not been able to go vertical. They just really haven't been. Lamar Jackson has regressed as a passer for one reason or another. I don't know what it is. But also, too, here, you know, the Ravens, they're not letting Lamar Jackson run as much. Last year, he had 10 games with double-digit carries, including the the one playoff game that they played. He has won this season. It was week two against Houston. So I don't know if the Ravens are doing this cognizantly to keep him fresh for the playoffs. Maybe they're holding it back until they need it, something like that. And if they show it here and Lamar runs for a buck 25 or a buck 50 and the Ravens win the game, so be it. It is what it is. But this Ravens team, 22nd in adjusted net yards per pass attempt, they can't throw the football with really any level of proficiency. And it is very hard to run on Pittsburgh, very hard to run on that defensive line, their fast group of linebackers. This Steelers defense is very, very good, very legitimate unit here. Last year when Lamar Jackson played against Pittsburgh, 19 of 28 passing, but a very low yardage total. He threw three picks. He got sacked five times, ran 14 times for 70 yards. Didn't play the second game. Robert Griffin III played it because the Ravens had already locked up their playoff position. But I get it. It's only one data point. But I talked about this on the show on Thursday that I think the Steelers really wanted to make sure that they could match up well with this speed, with Lamar Jackson, knowing that he was the heir apparent in Baltimore to Joe Flacco. And I think that they made that conscious decision to do that. And it helps in a lot of ways. When you're fast on defense, you can pressure the quarterback. It's going to help against everybody. But I think that was something that they prioritized, something that they really focused on, knowing that they would have to contend with Baltimore in this division. And I think they do match up quite well with the Baltimore offense. The Steelers have allowed the second fewest yards after catch, and Jackson's not been efficient throwing the football down the field this season. So I think everything points to Pittsburgh here in this game. I don't agree with the line. There's minimal to no home field advantage this season. Are the Ravens really four points better than Pittsburgh right now? I don't think so. I think this is a line where people are kind of influenced by what happened last year with Baltimore, with the perception and the expectation of Baltimore coming into this season. And I don't think Pittsburgh is being given enough credit as remarkable as that sounds, for the only undefeated team left in the NFL. I just don't think Pittsburgh's getting enough credit. So Pittsburgh plus four, number 26, goes along with Seahawks minus three, number 19, and Titans minus five and a half, number nine, as my three likely picks here for this week in the Circus Sports Million. So that means I got to find two more, right? Well, I got four leans for you here that I'm deciding between One I do like more than the others, and I will highlight that game a little more when I get to it. But one of the games on the shortlist here for leans, the Detroit Lions are plus three, number four in the circuit rotation order against the uh, Indianapolis Colts. To me, this is just a situation where I think this number is wrong. I don't believe that the Colts deserve to be favored here. I know they're off the bye. I know Darius Leonard returns. I know the Colts have had a top five, top 10 defense throughout the course of the year. They've also played a very weak schedule and we saw going into the bye week, and I don't know how much the bye is going to change this, 
that Phillip Rivers has lost some zip on his fastball. He's turning the ball over at very inopportune times. He's completely immobile. And the Colts have suffered as a result. There was talk going into the bye week of, hey, maybe it's time to pull Phillip Rivers. A lot of talk of, hey, maybe this was a really bad investment. And to this point, you can say that it probably is. Now, the thing that holds me off from definitely taking the Lions here in this game is that I think Frank Reich is a very good head coach. I think Frank Reich off the bye can fix some things here with this Colts team. On the other hand, the Colts are a bad third down offense. They're 21st in points per drive, whereas the Lions are 13th in points per drive, even though their average starting field position is almost two yards worse than what the Colts have had. The Colts have had a lot of short fields to work with. They've had that very bad schedule that they've played against. I think the Lions are the right side here in this game. And I know that the Lions have a knack for trying to lose close games and stuff like that. You know who else has a knack for losing close games? Phillip Rivers. So Lions plus three, I would say probably if I had to stack rank my plays right now, along with the three likely picks of Titans, Seahawks, and Steelers, Lions is probably number five for me right now. So this is one that I do think has a good chance at making the cut here. And again, this line's two and a half in the super contest, three in the circa, much happier to have the three than the two and a half. It would be a lot more difficult to take this play at two and a half. Of course, three will bring more people to the Lions side, uh, but still, I'd rather have that half point in my back pocket, uh, you know, in case a push comes into play. Next up on my list of leans here, and I am going by rotation number for these. Number six, the Minnesota Vikings. They are plus seven against the Green Bay Packers. Now, this is one where primarily the bad weather makes this a consideration. Now, the Packers do run the football effectively. They do a pretty good job both passing and rushing on offense. So that is concerning for me here. But with the gusty winds and the cold temperatures, you've got a Vikings team that while they haven't been good on the whole necessarily, they've been very good on third down. And third down, of course, as we know, is generally a passing down. The Packers are fifth in third down conversion rate. So my thought process here is that third and long in the wind will be a lot more difficult to pick up. And the Vikings are already a good third down defensive team. So my thought process tells me that the weather will probably lead to a lower scoring expectation here, which could end up keeping this game a little bit closer. When you get a lower scoring expectation the points become more valuable. And we've got the Vikings here at plus seven. Now, obviously, Kirk Cousins in bad weather is terrifying. But you can run on this Packers defense a little bit, 4.6 yards per carry allowed. Vikings are a little bit healthier off the bye. Another thing that concerns me here is that this is a triple revenge spot for the Vikings. They've lost three in a row to the Packers. Maybe they just don't match up well. No, maybe they don't match up well against the Matt LaFleur version of the Packers. So this is one that's under consideration for me, probably the lowest of the leans that I'll talk about here on today's segment. But again, you have to have contingency plans and things in place in case there are COVID games or there's an injury or something like that. Something pops up on the Friday practice report or some news breaks on Saturday, one of those types of things. So the Vikings are on the short list here. I don't know how much I like this game, but again, with a lower scoring expectation, the seven points could be fairly valuable up at Lambeau Field. 
This one is probably my favorite of the leans here, probably fourth if I was to rank my plays. That is the New Orleans Saints, who are minus four and a half, going up to Soldier Field, a cold and windy Soldier Field, to take on the Chicago Bears. First, Chicago's a bottom five offense. They can't pass the football. They can't run the football. They are terrible on offense. When you talk about weather considerations and specifically wind, it's going to make a bad offense worse. The Saints, to this point, defensively, don't look particularly good. They've also played a very tough schedule. I think the Saints' defense is a lot better than what we've seen here so far. And with the Bears and their poor offense, the Saints' defense should play up a little bit in this game. The Saints' offense is borderline top 10. Drew Brees has looked a little bit better over the last few weeks than he looked earlier on in the season. I'm not expecting a lot from Drew Brees here with the weather, the outdoor conditions, stuff like that. But I think Brees is dangerous enough, especially if he gets Michael Thomas back and Thomas did practice on Thursday. I think that Brees in the passing game can do enough. If nothing else, you've got Alvin Kamara and the ground game for the Saints, which should do a pretty good job because Chicago gets a lot of pressure. We know that they get a lot of of clean looks at the quarterback. But one way that you can kind of offset that is you get the ball out quick. And you can get the ball out quick to Kamara. You can get the ball out quick to Thomas if he's able to go here in this game. I think that the Saints are better equipped than some teams to go up against this Bears defense. So there is that. Also, the Bears, they're on a short week off of a West Coast game, back-to-back roadies. And again, this offense just is not good. Under 280 yards each of the last four games for them. The Saints, look, They're bad on third down defensively this year. They've given up conversions 51% of the time. So that's really hurt them. They haven't been able to get off the field enough. And the more you're on the field, the more leaky your defense is going to get. The Bears, though, are 30th in third down conversion rate. They're 30th in points per drive. And again, the weather will probably hurt them if they get into some third and long situations. My expectation here is that the Saints are playing, you know, third and manageable, third and medium, third and short and the Bears are playing third and long. And if I've got a weather consideration, I think that means, you know, more chances to score for the Saints. I think they will extend their drives further. I think they will have more success on third down. The Saints have scored on nearly 20% more of their possessions here this season compared to what the Bears have done. So I know it's tough. I know it's something of a hard favorite to bet, especially with Breeze outside of the Superdome. But I think Saints minus four and a half is a sneaky good play this week. And again, I think this is the closest of my leans to being a very likely pick for me. Lastly here, number 24, the Denver Broncos are plus three. And look, I get it. They got blown out last week, 43 to 16. I understand that. Also, dig into the box score of that game. Kansas City did not convert a third down attempt. They were 0 for 8 on third down. They had 5.6 yards per play to 5.4 for the Broncos. The Broncos had 24 first downs to 17. What happened? Well, the Broncos were minus three in turnover margin, locked through a pick six. Chiefs ran back a kick for a touchdown. They recovered an onside kick late in the game and got a short field touchdown out of that. It wasn't as lopsided of a blowout as the final score would suggest. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the Broncos, you know, played a great game or anything like that. But when you look at that box score, that should have been a much closer game. And the Broncos were getting, you know, what, nine, nine and a half in that one. 
So I think they played a lot better than the final score would suggest. Here they're getting a much lower number of three against the Chargers. Chargers with some COVID concerns had to shut down practice on Thursday. We'll see what happens going forward with that. But a lot of guys on the offensive line on the injury report here for the Chargers. And Denver's got a top 10 defense against both the run and the pass by DVOA. Again, I was on the Chargers last week. I took them against Jacksonville. They scored 39 points. They did what they were supposed to do. They also gave up some points in that game. And Justin Herbert is really stepping up in class here with the defense he's going to face in this game relative to what happened last week. I know the Chargers moved in on the Buccaneers and all that kind of thing, but I'm looking specifically in a vacuum at this game. And I think that the Broncos are well-equipped defensively to have a good chance against the Chargers. And I think offensively, as long as Luck's not as bad, or Locke, excuse me, is not as bad as he was, they can hang around in this game. So Broncos plus three on my short list here. But again, I think if I had to submit a card right now, it would be Titans minus five and a half, Seahawks minus three, Steelers plus four, Lions plus three, and then Saints minus four and a half. But again, I have until Saturday afternoon to make those final determinations. So we'll see what happens with COVID reports, injury reports, all those types of things. I'll be back on the air once again on Monday after the weekend talking about my power ratings adjustments, some box score notes, maybe talk a little bit about the Pac-12 in college football as we look ahead here to week 10. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Have a happy, healthy, smart, safe weekend. And I will talk to you again on Monday.